Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned, and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. If you woke up today and thought, hmm, what could I get from my friend who's going through a really hard time right now? Or how can I treat my friend who just got out of a bad relationship? Or, you know, my friend just got ghosted. She's super bummed right now and I want to make her feel better. Well, you're in luck because I have the perfect thing for you. Batter That Matters are the best cookies ever. First of all, they have cookies for people who are vegan, people who are gluten-free, people who are vegan and gluten-free, and then they have cookies that have all the gluten in them for people who prefer that like me. Right now, I cannot stop raving about their fall collection, which has a bunch of different flavors like snickerdoodle and chocolate chip pumpkin and apple oatmeal and chocolate chip carrot cake. And of course, you can get each of those individually in a box or you can get the fall collection set, which has all of those combined and a few of each. Trust me, your friend will feel so much better when the fall collection arrives at their door. So definitely head to ourbattermatters.com and use code seeing other people at checkout to get 10% off your full purchase. Batter That Matters also ships all over the country for free and they donate up to 50% of their profits to a different charity every season. So you're doing good for your friend. You're going to feel good because you did something for somebody that was nice and because you're also actually doing good. Ourbattermatters.com. On today's episode, I sit down with a 26-year-old social worker and therapist who practices in New York City. We hear about her dating experience in her late teens and early 20s that shaped who she is today. She shares what it's like to date as a therapist, what she learns from her patients, what it's like to hear her patients be vulnerable all day long while she struggles with vulnerability herself, and more. Seeing Other People Unfiltered is presented by Mindset Wellness CBD. If you haven't tried Mindset Wellness CBD or any CBD for that matter, you are missing out. Mindset Wellness CBD's products, all of their gummies are gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, organic, and they taste incredible. They have helped my anxiety, they've helped me sleep at night, and I couldn't recommend them more highly. Head to MindsetWellnessCBD.com and use code SEEINGOTHERPEOPLE at checkout for 10% off and free shipping. And we are here in this week's Unfiltered episode. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and what you're here to talk about? You got it, Alana. So hi, everyone. My name is Anonymous for this episode. I am a 26-year-old therapist. Yes, 26 years old, really young. Um, and I'm here to talk about my dating life as a therapist. First of all, age is but a number, as they say. Obviously, <laughs> look, if you're 26 and you're a therapist, like you're doing a lot of things right, and that's really impressive. So don't, don't, don't diminish yourself. At, in what you do because you're young. Um, have to start by saying <laughs> that. But yeah, I'm so excited. I was telling Anonymous before that the second I saw her email, I was like, holy shit, like this, we have to do this episode. This has to happen. Um, obviously, I talk oh, on seeing other people a lot about like my experience. And I, like, I've gone to therapy because all of my anxiety and depression has come from my dating life. And um, obviously, I'm a huge proponent for therapy. Therapy is great. Everybody go to therapy. Can encourage your the people Heck you yeah. date go to therapy. If somebody yes. doesn't believe in therapy, red flag, run. Um, That's right. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so I have a lot of questions for you about what it's like. Um, so first of all, let's start with what actually made you want to be a therapist? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think I actually wrote this in the email to you. Um, I think as a little girl, I knew I always wanted to help people. Um, however, I wasn't really good at science, so I don't think I was going to ever become a doctor, um, as much as a nerd as I am. Um, but I knew I wanted to help people. And it's a silly story, but I remember being in kindergarten where you sit in the circle, right? And everyone's going around and saying their favorite color. So, of course, we hear the generic ones. No offense to these colors, but red, blue, pink. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, it's picking yellow. I felt bad for a color, Alana. Oh, my God. That's where I was as a little girl, okay? <laughs> um, I was also the girl who'd write my name and erase it, write my name and erase it. So red flag, I needed therapy back then. So I wanted to help people. And I think my compassion probably started with my volunteer work with multiple different societies, one of them being the Multiple Sclerosis Society, which is really close to my heart. Um, so I ended up looking at different programs around the area. Um, I'm a home buddy, so I knew I wanted to stay somewhat close to my family, but far enough where I'd have my own life too. Um, so I ended up going to undergraduate in Connecticut, not too far away, about like an hour or so. And I remember taking my first social work program or my first social work class, I should say, and instantly falling in love, looking around at the people and saying, wow, this, I can't imagine doing anything else. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, and here you like, are. And then here I am. Yeah, here I am. So um, I did four years undergrad. Um, in a accelerated program. So I started my master's in my undergrad. That's um, awesome. Loved it. I did two clinical rotations, one at an elementary school um, and the other at a um, home rehabilitation center. And then I went off to get my master's in New York, um, did a double accelerated program there. If you can't tell, I'm a nerd. I loved school. I miss school so much. Um, did another clinical rotation passed my boards, and then somehow, some way, landed my dream job at a private practice. It's amazing. Well, you earned it because you did all the work and you absolutely crushed it. And I love how your childhood fits into it and, and how you just knew this was what you needed to do and you're doing it. So that's really amazing. Thanks, Alana. You're too sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start to talk about where your dating life fits into all of this. I know Ooh. I've read your story and I think there's a lot in your story that seeing other people listeners need to hear about. <laughs> you got it. Alana, tell me, should I start from the beginning? Start from the beginning. All right, let's do it. So um, so I went to high school, obviously, and I uh, had a few fun little relationships. I call them the baby relationships. They're kind of the ones you start off with where you maybe hold hands in the hallway, and that's like a big deal because everyone can see. Yeah. Um, and maybe they peck you on the cheek before class. I would never let them kiss me before class. I was a nerd. I couldn't have the teachers, you know, see me do that. First, hold um, on. I have to. I have to interrupt you because you mentioned please. holding hands in high school. And do you want to know the craziest thing in the world? And I think about this all the time. It's like now, like it used to be like, how long do we have to hold hands before we kiss? Now yes. it's like, how long do we have to sleep together before we hold hands? Um, it's the total opposite. It's how come you see crazy. me naked before I hold your hand? It's insane. <laughs> it is truly insane. Continue. I love that you pointed that out. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so I think it was my sophomore year in high school and I remember crying to my mom the night before saying there's nobody in this town um, I grew up with a class of around 300 and you kind of knew everybody and you knew where everyone lived and you knew where their cousins lived and I was convinced that there was nobody right so I'm crying to my mom and mom goes when you least expect it, you'll find somebody, right? What you what you hear often. Well, a matter of fact, the very next day, um, a friend of a friend came over to me and said, why don't you come hang out with me and my friends? I said, I'm not really interested. I was actually um, watching TV with my dad on a Friday night, sophomore year. Like It was the one weekend where there wasn't a sweet 16 and I just wanted to chill. And they pretty much said, no, you don't have a choice. Like you're, you're coming with. And I meet this group of guys and a lot of personality in the group. Um, a few of them were cute, but never really thought much of it. Um, became close friends with them that night. Did not give anybody my number. Um, and somehow the next day I got a text message um, from my ex-boyfriend at the time. Um, we can call him John. John. So John texts me. And I'm like, how did you get my number? And he must have take, took in, take, taken. There we go. 
English, uh, taken my phone and put his number and texted me the next day. Well, long story short, little did I know that was going to be a seven-year relationship. Wow. Yeah, long time. Um, We had a really healthy relationship. Um, And I would say that even before being a therapist now, we had a lot of great communication, um, a lot of fun. Um, Both of our friend groups combining, um, being really individuals at the same time. Um, we would get looked at and be called the power couple by teachers, by friends, by people in the community. Um, it was like my first great love, I guess your first love, if you want to say. Yeah. Um, so he ends up going to college and I'm still in high school and, you know, there's definitely some tough times. There's no doubt about that. Trusting the other person. I'm someone who requires a lot of validation. I have an anxious attachment style, um, which I know you've talked about on the show, which is great that we're talking about this um, and making it more known. Um, So it wasn't that I'd never trusted him, but I needed that reassurance, I think, for my own anxiety. Um, Fast forward a few years, I end up going to the same school as him, which there was a lot of judgment for. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have to say, I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. I looked at a few schools um, around him, which ironically is where I wanted to go. Like I said, not too far, but far enough where I had my own life. And the journey continued. And the journey continued to be even greater than I could ever imagine. I mean, initially, he was my best friend. So I had my best friend by my side through this transition. Um, So as time goes on, things are great. Every summer, we would go up to Maine and spend time at my family's lake house. Um, I'd bring up all my friends. We'd have like six or seven tents in the backyard. Um, So if you can only imagine like 12 college students for like a week sleeping in tents with alcohol, (laughs) like we're talking about a good time here. Oh, yeah. So anyway, one summer, I... um, I bring my friends up and of course he's up there with us. We go boating and we finish another great summer upstate and we drive home. We stop at a Dunkin' Donuts because this girlfriend runs on caffeine and he ends our relationship in the parking lot of Dunkin' Donuts. Do you struggle to go to Dunkin' Donuts now? Um, I don't, and I can prove it to you because wow, okay, I'm holding a cup of coffee. Good, I'm really Dunkin'. glad. I'm really glad because I mean, I can. I feel like I'd be haunted by every Dunkin' that I ever saw, and I, I, I imagine for a while you, you did feel that way. One hundred percent. I was not getting Dunkin' for the longest time. Matter of fact, I was a Starbucks person through and through for probably the first two years. Oh my god, that'll do that to you. Okay, yeah. so. Obviously, this was out of absolutely nowhere. What what was his reason? What did you say? You still have this trip, like the, the rest of the drive. What was going through your head? I mean, this was your entire life. Yeah, I mean, I think absolute shock. I didn't believe it. I, I didn't understand where it came from. Um, you know, I think you've probably heard the story again and again. He just wanted to take time to see what else was out there. And I understood, I think, deep down. I didn't understand that until months later. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, it was just numbness, absolute numbness. I think what hurt the most is that he told friends on the trip uh. um, at my family's place that he was going to end it. And yet nobody told me. So it felt like two backstabs, right? One from my ex and one from these group of friends who thought my, were my rock or my world. Right. And look, friends make mistakes. You know, we're all human, but it, it hurt. It really in, hurt. In hindsight, do you wish that you saw it coming? Or do you think kind of being caught off guard was, was the right approach in this situation? It's <sighs> a good question. I think out of the blue probably would have worked better 
if that makes sense. Yeah. I think kind of ripping off the Band-Aid. Um, now looking back on it probably was best because I would have fought really hard to fix it because I'm not someone who gives up. Like I mm-hmm. said at the start of the podcast, I was willing to write my name, erase it, write it again. I wanted to make it perfect, right? And I thought this relationship was perfect. So the fact that it was broken, like destroyed me yeah. and ripping the Band-Aid was probably for the best. However, the eight hour ride home in the car with him was not perfect and not easy. Yeah. So how did you get through it? The the car ride and, and everything that came next? <sighs> you know, I think the car ride was a lot of silence. Um, we had two other friends in the car too. Oh my God. Yeah. So <laughs> Holy shit. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Two friends and two exes um, and an Ouch. eight hour drive home. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun. I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. Um, I was silent. I think my body just froze, to be honest with you. I couldn't look at him. I like didn't want to breathe the same air as him. Like, I just got home. That's all I could focus on was get me the F home like right now because um, I need my mom. I'm laughing because <laughs> I feel like that would be the perfect thing to wish on your worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like, hot damn. Like, you clearly didn't think this through. You couldn't wait eight hours till we got home, oh drop me God. off. <sighs> it was awful. It was, I curled up in a ball. I threw a blanket on me and I was just silent. Yeah. I don't even think I shed a tear, to be honest. I think I just shut down. Um, but I got home and I slept right into depression. Yeah. I just to say it like it is, it was I'm I'm a foodie through and through, so you know when I'm not eating, something's rocked my ship, and this did it. I was in bed, I think, for like two weeks. I barely ate. So my parents would say, baby steps, it's time to go downstairs to the living room, right? So I went from my bedroom all day to downstairs for, I think we did like 30-minute increments. And then I'd like tippy-toe back up to my room. And they say, okay, come on down, right? So back downstairs. Until two weeks later, I had to go back to school and I had to see him. And how did that go? It was easier than I thought, to be honest with you. I think staying busy was really great. Oh my God. Um, yeah. It was the, it was really good timing, not timing at Duncan and not timing in the car, but good timing going back to school uh, two weeks later. Um, so I kind of had no choice but to jump back into my life. Um, I was an RA at college and I was co-president of my sorority. I was in, like I said, a double accelerated program in my undergrad. I didn't really have a choice but to go back and function, right? Like, yeah, initially I had a choice. I didn't have to go back and I didn't have to do all these things, but these were things that were going to like really heal me and help me get my mind off of this. Yeah. So I know you said this is about a, a seven-year relationship, and we're we're about five years in at this point. Yep. So, so time goes on, and we cross paths. We have mutual friends, and it's it's just like you heard it. He was in a fraternity. I was in a sorority, and he came back to visit a few times because by this time, he graduated college, and we ended up hooking up. Not my proudest moment, but to say I was present, I was present. I was enjoying it, and it felt good. It felt right. It felt comfortable, right? I think comfort is really what did it for me. And we ended up getting back together despite everyone saying, are you an idiot? Yeah. Why would you ever do that? Why would you ever take him back? Um, But I took him back. Initially, he's my best friend at the end of the day, and when people ask me if I regret it, I don't. Um, I don't know. Back then, I don't know what I knew now, right? So we get back together for another two years. Things are good. I'm hurt. Um, but we continue to work on a relationship. 
um, he ends up going into the real world and I end up going to grad school. Grad school is hard. It took a lot of my attention, a lot of my time. Um, and I think that was really hard on our relationship. Um, but despite that, it was good until it wasn't again. Mm-hmm. So two years later, his family invites me on vacation, which Alana is a huge deal, huge deal. Um, they barely invited me over for dinner. No one was good enough for their son. Wow. Um, so to say I was excited is like an understatement. So we go on vacation and my mom looks at me. She goes, I think you should bring your car. And I'm like, why would I bring my car? Like, I'll just go up with him. She goes, I don't know. I just, in case you need it, you have it. It was almost like she like predicted Ew. this. Oh my God. And yet I didn't see it coming. All right. So we're on vacation. Things are awkward. He's barely looking at me. He's not holding my hand. Um, I feel like a bro, which I'm okay with every once in a while, but not the entire time. Right. And I I address it. I'm like, what's up with this? Isn't that okay? I'm, I'm really excited to be here. This is a big step for us. Um, we started looking at places to move in together a few weeks prior. Things were heading in the right direction, and I had no reason to think otherwise. Um so we get into bed that night. It's like really late and his phone is buzzing like nonstop. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, who that was a that? really good buzz. Oh, thank you. That was very impressive. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so his phone is going off and it's right. It's like two, three o'clock in the morning. It's really late. And I'm like, who's texting you? And he goes, um, it's my friend, Lauren. And I said, oh, tell Lauren I said hi, because this is our mutual friend. This is this is our best friend, right? Um, we're at her house all the time. We all grew up together. Uh, we went to high school, and we went to college together. We all kind of followed each other. Um, so this was family. So I said, tell Lauren I said hi, not even thinking about what was to come next. So he ends things with me on another vacation, round two. I'm stuck in Rhode Island. It's three o'clock in the morning, and this time, instead of freezing, I ended up having a, probably one of the worst panic attacks of my life. Um, shaking uncontrollably, having a hard time breathing, sweating, um, just like on the floor, my body feels heavy, and I want to get in the car and drive. He doesn't let me, you know, just because he ends things doesn't mean he doesn't care about my safety. And the next morning, I tell his parents that there was a family emergency and I needed to go home because I couldn't, I couldn't tell them the truth. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do that to them. It wasn't my place. So he walks me to my car, and we never talk again. That's the end of it. So wow. now a seven-year relationship came to an end. Second vacation in a row, he ends things out of nowhere. Right? We were looking at places. We were doing a lot of healing. Things were good. Um, and it just ends. I have to ask, in in your opinion, like I guess in your expert opinion, what do you think it was about vacations for him? Like it was a break from the norm and it felt like he could do this or like th- that's just, it. that seems so bizarre where there has to be some like psychoanalysis you've done to determine why. <laughs> Alana, I think you hit it on the head. It It's the break from the norm, yeah. that reality check, right? When we're in day-to-day, especially with a nine-to-five job like he had, you kind of become robotic, right? So you wake up, you get in the car, you go for a commute, probably listen to the same radio station, you go to work, probably eat the same thing, uh, come home and do it all over again. I think yeah. this was his break from reality. Um, definitely something I've thought about again and again. Um, so I, if I had to think of a reason, it'd be a break from reality. Yeah. Wow. Reality. All right. So definitely if you're listening to this, go on a vacation with the person you're dating and see that you get home from it and you're still dating. Yeah. Please go on vacation and bring your own car. (laughs) (laughs) So I go home and again, I'm a wreck. I'm crying. It's like, everything you can imagine right after a breakup and the next day Lauren reaches out to me and says why don't you come over my house like I heard what happened I'm so sorry um I'm best friends with Lauren and her sister and matter of fact I was in their Christmas cards 
uh, throughout the years. That's how close we are. Lauren's petting my head. I'm crying in her lap. She's drowning me in wine. And she says, you deserve better. Okay. I deserve better. Well, so over the next two, three weeks, I thought I was going crazy. I thought John, my ex, and Lauren were together. Um, I would tell my girlfriends, they would say, you're just going through like the breakup phase, like you're overthinking, you're anxious, right? I'm telling my parents, they're saying, oh my gosh, the two of them would never, are you kidding me, Jess? Um, Everyone's telling me it isn't true. And yet what I find out over, I think a month or two later at this point is that they are together and that they've been together. And they were together while I was in a relationship with him on vacation. A matter of fact, their anniversary date is prior to when I went on vacation with him and his family. I don't know what in in, in life is like more hurtful than that situation happening. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. Yeah. Um, I think just mad I was mad for making for them making me feel like I was crazy not just the action of him cheating not just my best friend in this like horrible betrayal but them making me feel like I was nuts yeah I mean I was up at night stalking right like like real stalking like Venmo stalking like you know when you're going that deep it's bad And everyone telling me I was just crazy. I did a drive-by. Like, I'm not that type. I did a drive-by of her house. Like, what? You know, it. if somebody hasn't been in this situation, they might be listening being like, oh, that seems excessive. But like, totally. To, to anyone who has, I, myself <laughs> included, not a drive-by, but went up town about, see, 60 blocks um, and did a walk by apartment. Don't know why, what was I going to see outside the apartment? Absolutely fucking yeah. nothing, but just yeah. like had to put myself there. Had to, had to, maybe they yeah. would walk by. I don't know. Just to see it. Just yeah. to see. Yeah. You want, I wanted confirmation. I wanted to know in, that I in one direction or the other, like exactly. either. Yeah. Yep. I oh. wanted clarity. Yeah. That's all I was looking for. So we did Friendsgiving every year. She hosts and has the cahoots to invite me. And I really think about it. This is before I knew they were together. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to show up with a fucking apple pie and put a smile on my face. And I want to see the two of them together. Like, show me. Like, show me I'm not crazy. And I didn't end up doing it because I said, why, why am I going to put myself in that situation? This isn't going to be pretty. Yeah. Um, so I end up going out uh, Thanksgiving Eve with friends, and the very next day it was online. And like I said, their anniversary date was prior to when we went on vacation. That is so. So dating is really fun. Uh... <laughs> I know, brutal. So here I am. I just graduated my master's as a social worker, and. During all of this time that I'm thinking he's cheating on me, I passed my first boards to become a licensed mastered social worker. I'm studying about depression and anxiety and PTSD. And yet here I am in the worst depression of my life. What was it like reading okay. about it and learning about it while also experiencing it? I... I nodded my head the whole time while reading my books. I said, yeah, racing thoughts. Yep, check. Um, Little desire to do things I enjoyed. Check. Um, Isolating. Check. I mean, the checklist just went on and on and on. Yeah. It was scary. And then I was self-diagnosing myself. And just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean it's okay to self-diagnose. Right? So here in my head, I'm diagnosing myself with everything in the DSM-5, which is the book we use to diagnose patients. It was really scary. It was lonely. And I had to dig myself out of the depression 
while starting my job as a therapist. I, I mean, even just hearing you talk about like going through the, the different checklists and checking off the boxes and being like, yeah, this is, this is me, this is happening. It's, it's somewhere to what I mentioned about, like, it's something sound bizarre until you experience them. Like whenever anyone goes to their annual physical, your hand did that thing. And, and I remember before I ever experienced anxiety or depression, I'm like, feelings of loneliness? No. Like trouble sleeping? No. Like not wanting to do it, like things you enjoy? No. Like, and I'm, I would just, it would be like an automatic, like, no, 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 this has literally never been me. And then the next year it like changed. And it was like, I mean, yeah, to all of this. And it's like, oh, that's why they ask these questions. And I, I just can't, uh, it must've been so scary and, and confusing and hard. Yeah. It was heart wrenching. I think yeah. it was heart wrenching for me. It was heart wrenching for my family and my friends. I mean, I'm an outgoing person. I could talk to a wall. Yeah. I get paid to talk. Right. And it was the last thing I wanted to do. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to do was get up and go listen to other people. Yeah. Sit in a chair, put put real pants on, right? And pretend to be okay when I just wasn't. I just wasn't okay. I feel like I barely made it by. And yet everyone was looking at me saying, wow, she's the youngest one in the practice. 23 years old, I started my career. And yet little did they know I was going home every night like sobbing. Yeah. Sobbing and every weekend, like not leaving my house, being invited to do things, right? All these great things I love to do and just saying no to them because I felt like it was too overwhelming. So that's where my first love was. We haven't spoken since. Um, Actually, a few months ago, I think, yeah, a few months ago, I was uh, visiting my aunt and uncle and I kept telling my mom I was waiting for the shoe to drop, a.k.a. them being engaged. And once they got engaged, I would somehow, like, feel better. Like, at least something good came out of it for them. And we can, like, officially move on. And I know that sounds strange, but I for me, it. it felt like a sense of closure. Um, and it happened. Wow. And, you know, it was sad. And her sister reached out to me and gave me a forewarning before it went on Instagram and Facebook which I really appreciated. Her and I have stayed, I would say, friendly throughout the years. We've had mm-hmm. a lot of talks and a lot of cries. And it's a strange relationship, but it's it's a relationship I still hold on to because she's a really good person. And um, once that ripped, I almost felt like I could put myself out, of, out there again. So this is now three years later. I'm just starting to put myself out there. I really needed time to myself. I really needed time to heal. Um, And thankfully, now I'm not depressed. Not to say I'm not an anxious bitch, because definitely I am. (laughs) (laughs) Right there with you. (laughs) But I'm not in bed anymore. I'm going to Jonas Brothers concerts. I'm going out to eat. I am exploring towns and cities and traveling and really cherishing the people in my life. And um, that was all thanks to therapy, to be honest, right? So I'm a therapist who goes to therapy. And I think therapy is the best investment you can have in yourself. What have you learned about your patients from your experiences? I know, I know there's another another big dating story we could get into, but I, I really want to hear some about like your experiences actually learning and, and then maybe even people who aren't your patients when you see how that they're feeling the way that you were feeling and, and how you approach that. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So I think my patients teach me resilience. I think my patients are the strongest human beings on earth. Um, I specialize working with teenagers, so high school and college age and young adults. And I think they're the most resilient and they say it like it is, which I really appreciate. Um, Because in therapy, you have to be honest or else it's not going to work. Then it's a waste of your investment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they've taught me that 
bad things happen to everyone, right? They're part of our stories, but they're not who we are. So I'd wake up for them. In a lot of ways, my patients actually saved me. Um, They're the reason why I put on jeans instead of leggings. They're the reason that I put my makeup on and get my ass to work. As much as there were days where I didn't feel like listening because I just wanted to cry, um, their stories and their vulnerability is what made me feel like I could get through it. I hope you know I've never like cried on this podcast and I have actual tears in my eyes right now. <laughs> Alana. Like that Alana. Everything that you just said is is truly like incredible and inspiring and true. Um I mean I'm even stuck on like bad things happen to everyone, but it it doesn't define us. It's just it's just a part of our story and yeah, I, I don't even know what I want to say. I just like I, that really, really touched me. Oh. Well, I'm glad I touched you. I mean, you're someone who's helped me recently. It's part of the reason why I wrote in. Um, you know, part of my self-care as a therapist is going for walks, which sounds so lame. Like I'm 26 and one of my hobbies is walking, but one of my hobbies is walking and listening to you. Mm-hmm. right like this is why unfiltered is one of my favorite like sections of your podcast to listen to is because people are so authentic yeah. right so and again it's part of our story it's not who we are yeah. thank and you it took me a long time to separate those two but we're here and we're a lot stronger than we think yeah. even when we don't want to be strong i think as humans we we were down straight, strong motherfuckers. I'm just going to say it like it Hell is. Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. Especially when we don't think we can be. That's when we end up being the strongest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I think it's amazing that you work with, with teenagers and people who are going like high school and college in those years because that's obviously the part of your life that impacted your mental health the most. And so it definitely brings up the question for me of like, are there situations that your patients will, will be in that you've been through or times where they're asking or like you're giving advice or, or directing them to like encouraging them to, to do something that you maybe couldn't do when you were going through it. I wonder what that's been like. Totally. Alana. So in therapy, we call that, um, counter-transference, right? So it's when they're going through an experience that we've gone through or we're going through, and I just want to scream. I want to scream and tell them, like, run! Run the opposite direction, right? Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to dating. And they think I'm the master at it, and I tell them straight up, I'm not. <laughs> but let me be super clear. I'm not. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. Um, I'm really grateful to have a great clinical supervisor that I can talk to and talk out loud with and say, am I supporting this patient to make the decision that's best for for them? Or am I pushing them in a direction? Mm -hmm. Because that's not appropriate. My job is to help empower my patients to make decisions on their own, not for me to um, lead the way for them. Um, And there's been several times, especially my college students who um, go to the same school as their partner or when they have a hunch, right, listening to your gut that your partner's cheating on you. Not that I'm saying go accuse your partner if you have a hunch, but like just really listen to your gut. Mm -hmm. Your gut's not going to steer you wrong. Um, And and approaching it with a lot of like empathy. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been hard times that I gotta check myself before I wreck myself. Yeah, I am so grateful for my supervisor. She's phenomenal. That's amazing. What do you think the biggest dating struggle your patients face is? Um, the hookup, the hookup era we're in. Yeah, right. Like they want, they want the boyfriend, they want the girlfriend, but without the title. Right. You've seen the TikTok trends where 
um, I forget the sound, but the person's like, I'm doing girlfriend things without yeah. a title or I'm doing like um, a wifey thing, but I'm still the girlfriend. It's yeah. exactly that. They want clarity and yet they're not getting it. This lack of communication, which sounds so cliche to say as a therapist, but like it's true. I think we really struggle to communicate. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, part of our stories, right? Um, it's hard. It's really hard to communicate. Even even as a therapist, it's hard. Yeah. Do you think that because you're a therapist, like are there certain things that you find yourself doing on dates or like, like do you think when you go on a date, like are you psychoanalyzing your date or, or yourself <laughs> even? I love that you brought that up. Because that is something I get asked often. I'm sure. So, yes, I'm on Bumble and Hinge and one time Tinder. Um, <laughs> and it says my job of a therapist. You know, my therapist gave me advice and said, maybe you should take it off. Because, <laughs> I mean, she was right. She said, you know, you put your job and you have this image in your head of what they are, right? If you close your eyes and you think of an accountant, you probably have an idea mm -hmm. of like what they look like and part of their day-to-day -day life, what they do. Um, but I kept it on because I have to be authentic. It is part of who I am. And it's going to be asked, right? It's probably the third question in after your favorite mm -hmm. color. <laughs> so I'm a therapist and men will ask me, are you analyzing me? What? What, a, what would I be diagnosed with? Should I uh, tell you my trauma? Right? It, it's so hard. But a matter of fact, I do everything in my power not to analyze someone. Uh -huh. I really try to leave my work at work um, or else things get messy. And I'd get burnt out. Yeah. And it's not always fun analyzing someone. I just want to be present. I want to laugh on a date. I don't want to diagnose you. I can give you support systems. I can lead you in the right direction, but I want to be your partner. I want to be your friend. I don't want to be your therapist. <laughs> I love that. And and I think that's really important. Like the reason I asked that is because I, I wanted to hear that answer almost so that anyone who's listening to this can understand, like if, if they end up dating somebody or even talking to somebody on an app whose role, whose job as a therapist, like they're just treat them like a person. Yeah. I mean, even for me, when I had hit like that, I worked at Hinge and in my profile, everyone was like, oh, are you going to make a meme about me? Are you going to talk yeah, about me? Like, you content it. about me? It's like, and it's tough because it's like, in a way, yes, my content is inspired by my dating experiences, but I'm not throwing people under the bus. Like totally. I, I'm on here to date. I'm not on here for research. Yeah. Yeah. There's more than there's more to you than your job. Right. Yeah. My job is a huge part of who I am. I'm, I'm an advocate. I'm a listener. I'm a storyteller. I'm, I'm all these things that are part of my job. And I'm on a dating app because I want to meet somebody, yeah. not analyze you, not diagnose you. And trust me, people, when we match, are like, oh, good thing I matched with you because I'm so messed up. Oh no. You're like, all right, oh, then, then Alana, here's, so cringy. Here's a link for you to yeah. like <laughs> apply here's to be a, a new patient. Text line. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm like, here's a crisis text line, like sending you like all my best. Literally. Match. Uh, Goodbye. It's and, so hard. <laughs> and and the the question is like how many of those people are are saying that because it's true or because they think it's like a cute, funny pickup line? Totally. And it's hard to tell the difference, right? Yeah. I don't want to be so, someone who's at that stage. It could be somebody with the best intentions who just thought it was something funny to say. Totally. And look, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Right? I'll respond and be like, oh, shocker. Like, haven't heard that one before, right? And they're yeah. like, oh, really? Or, you know, they'll be like, yeah, you're right. That was pretty bad. Um, but then, like, they may see I'm a therapist and want to normalize talking to a therapist right so again trying to leave my work at work um but not ignoring someone if they need help it's just not going to be for me we're going to go down the proper route right we're going to talk about if you have insurance i'm going to send you a link i'm going to give you a crisis text line which i love um but i'm not a therapist on a dating app 
I'm just trying yeah. to find someone to live life with. Without a doubt. So one question I have, sorry, I'm, I mean, unfiltered, I'm usually not interviewing the person, but I do have, just have so many questions. No, hit me. Um, I know you mentioned that like you, even as a therapist, even though your patients are, are opening up to you and being vulnerable all the time, you struggle with being vulnerable sometimes and, and, and trusting other people to, to hear your, your thoughts and, and trusting yourself to get them out. And so I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, and I'm wondering if there are different things you've put into practice or things you would like if I was a patient and I'm like, I have a really hard time being vulnerable with people, of course, being vulnerable is something that we have to do when it comes to dating. And so I'm wondering how you've tried to work through that. Yeah, I mean, you hit on the head. That's basically what my therapy is about. Um, I see or I talk to my therapist every other week and she holds me accountable, which I think is what's helped me with my progress right? We make small goals, small goals to the point that she wants me to achieve them. And that's something I do with my patients, right? Mm -hmm. um, if we're talking about getting healthy and working out more often, um, I'm not going to ask you to work out seven days a week. What I'll probably ask you is to work out once. You'll look at me and be like, okay, I can do that. Well, good. I want you to set up for success. Let's build you mm -hmm. up, right? Yeah. And it's kind of the same concept I use of being vulnerable, so my therapist will say, let's download Hinge. Let's download Bumble. And that alone was scary. I don't want to put myself out there, especially as a therapist, Lana. My patients see my profile. Yeah. I see their profile. It's awkward. <laughs> That's so, so true. That's so true. I work with people my age, right? So I to even download it was a lot. So that's part of like the small steps that I take to be vulnerable um, is to put pictures of myself on these dating apps and just like really hope that none of my patients can <laughs> <laughs> The next steps I'll take is trying to set intentions for my dates, right? I can't plan what the date's going to look like. I can't plan what they're going to do or say, but I can put intentions out there for what I want to do right? Which may mean um, telling them a fear that I have, even if it's not the biggest fear I have, it's just telling them a fear. Um, telling them my hopes and dreams, but a hope or goal and dreams, not everything. I think part of being vulnerable is taking the steps when you feel comfortable. For me, I need a little ass kicking. So my therapist has to really like hound me. <laughs> But I think, I mean, even if, even if you didn't need that ass kicking, I think taking it one step at a time and, and doing one dream, not ev all of your dreams, I think that's actually incredibly wise because you want to peel back the layers. You don't want to be dumped on. You want to, you don't want to yeah. dump on anyone else. Like you always want there to be something more to tell somebody about who you are and you want to be excited to learn about who they are. And I, I think that's actually a really amazing thing that people don't do enough is actually take it slow when it comes to being vulnerable. I feel like, I feel like everyone's either on like one, one end of the vulnerability spectrum where they either totally. like can come right out with it and overshare and pour their heart out to somebody on the first date, or it takes yeah. them a really long time to open up. And I think we should all work towards meeting in the middle. And, and like you said, one, one thing at a time, baby steps. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I agree. And you know, I see that working with my patients, very like black and white thinking, right? It's actually a cognitive distortion in CBT therapy, all or nothing mentality, right? So either I'm going to tell you everything, right? Or I'm going to tell you nothing. And the goal is the gray. We do want to be in the middle. And how I practice being vulnerable is taking it one step at a time. And it doesn't matter what their reaction is to it. it what matters is that I tried. Yeah. And acknowledging that I tried because trust me, I'd rather say nothing. I'd rather keep my guard up, but that's not going to help me build relationships with people. That's yeah. not going to help future, future me. Yeah, absolutely. I want to let you go. But before I do one last question I have for you is if you had a magic wand, what superpower would you bestow upon all of your patients based on what you've experienced in your dating life? Holy smokes. 
no pressure. Yeah, why? I didn't get a chance to prepare for this. Look, the good news is there is no magic wand, so you can't, there's no right or wrong answer here. <laughs> All right, it's going to sound a little cheesy, but a magic wand for them to be kind to themselves. That's something my grandma told me growing up is you're so kind to others, but what about you? I'd, I'd put that upon every one of my patients and everyone I've ever met is to be kind to yourself. You have you at the end of the day and no one's going to support you like you, right? And bring joy into your life. Do things that make you happy, right? You go on dates with others. Go on dates with yourself. Treat yourself. Hence the dunk it in my hand. <laughs> Yeah, I wish my patients were nicer to themselves. I wish everyone was nicer to themselves. We're we're in a time where we compare a lot and we're mean. We wouldn't talk to others like that. So why are we doing it to us? Yeah. Wow. That's I I mean Yeah. I don't even know. Like I, I I'm like uh I like I'm obsessed with your heart and your brain. Like oh. I really am. I think you you really are an amazing person and and you've been through so much and you really just want the best for others. And, and I agree. We're so mean to ourselves. We would never talk to anyone in our lives the way we talk to ourselves. And we would never put the amount of pressure on anyone else that we put on ourselves. And I think that's, that's something I I'm glad we're ending on that because I think that's a really good thing for everyone to keep in mind, like between even baby steps between today and tomorrow, when you're listening to this, Be kind to yourself and then DM me and let me know that you did. Yeah. I'm interested to hear. Yes. What are you doing good? And I'll DM anonymous and let her know that you did. So we're, we're keeping you, we're keeping you all accountable. Well, thank you so, so, so much for being here. You accomplished the impossible and got tears to come out of my eyes on (laughs) seeing other people. Um, but really, I'm, I'm so inspired by you and, and your story and, and the work that you do. And I really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much, Alana. Thanks so much to all the listeners, too, for hearing yeah. my story. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time.